0: You're listening to the second episode of the Direct Trade Initiative podcast. I'm your host, Justin Park, and in this episode, we'll be starting a mini podcast series titled The Art of Shepherding with Pastor James. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the Direct Trade Initiative Podcast. I'm Justin Park and today we'll be starting a mini podcast series titled The Art of Shepherding with Pastor James Kim. And in this series we'll be covering topics such as shepherding your congregation members through suffering as well as leading your own family through the joys and difficulties of ministry. I have the privilege today to introduce Pastor James Kim. He is the Senior Pastor at Jubilee Presbyterian Church in Irvine. Uh, He planted the church 15 years ago and has been serving as a pastor in Southern California for over 30 years. That's a long time. Hello, Pastor James. Hi, Justin. I have the privilege of serving with him at Jubilee as the assistant pastor. So I thought it'd be nice to start a a mini-series on the topic of shepherding. And the main question we want to tackle in this mini-podcast series is, how can pastors return to reclaiming this art of shepherding at the church, with your congregation, but also at home, Uh, with your family. Um, So, but before we begin, why don't you tell me a little bit about the ministry you're doing at Jubilee?
1: Well, the ministry at Jubilee came out of a desire to see the next generation of, of Korean Americans step up and try to establish something that was long time coming in need. Just for myself, seeing the state of the Korean American church and English ministries within those Korean churches, Uh, working in that context for years, I learned to really appreciate the the ministry of the first-generation Korean church, but also some of the limitations in regard to ministry to second-generation English-speaking Korean Americans and how effective they could be and what the next step might be in, in their growth. It just seemed to me that there was a, a great need for it, and so one thing led to another, and was able to gain some support by our Presbyterian and others, and began trying to form a ministry that would stand alone as, a, as its own ministry, and I had a vision that it wouldn't be just a Korean focused ministry. It, it was challenged to me as I was thinking about it, that it would include not only just Koreans, but anyone who would be willing to hear the gospel. I felt that uh, this kind, kind of church at the time was needed, and uh, one thing led to another, as I said, and we began in uh, December 2002.
0: Great. Wow, that's, uh, that's quite a, a journey you've been on. It's been 15 years. That's a, a long time. We'll see where God takes us. Um, so, in this uh, mini-series, the first question I want to look at in this first episode is just the broad question of what is shepherding, and uh, what is the basics? What are the basics of pastoral shepherding? Uh, so the first question, what, what would you say, Pastor James, is shepherding? What, what does it mean when, when people hear the term shepherding? What is it usually, what, what's involved in it? Well, I guess the first
1: thought is, is just that image of a shepherd overseeing sheep. And it was meant to bring that imagery to mind uh, when Jesus was uh, beginning his ministry. Uh, this idea of shepherding was carried over from Old Testament imagery as well, uh, the idea of God caring for his people, and so I would say that the idea of shepherding comes from uh, Christ's shepherding ministry to his church, and uh, to me it seems as though shepherding has to follow uh, his, his vision and, and his manifestation of, of what, what a shepherd should be, and, and so I think a pastor should be under shepherds, mimicking what Jesus the true shepherd is to his flock, and so it, it really has to flow from his ministry.
0: I mean, one can argue that shepherding is the main role of a pastor, as pastors are shepherds under the great shepherd Jesus. Uh, Some pastors have been given the special gifts of vision casting, of of leading, of being very charismatic. But with all the hype and the movements and the large causes going on, I think I can see that the art of shepherding individual lives has almost been lost. It's been kind of lost in the details, in the groundwork of the, the overall idea of vision casting and starting a movement in the church so yeah i just want to have people understand or or go back to those roots because at the end of the day that's what we're called to do to relate to souls and uh, bring save individual souls just as christ goes out and leaves the 99 to get that one and there is rejoicing in heaven knowing that one person is, is saved so um, what do you think are some of the basics of just pastoral shepherding? How, how would you start that? Say you're new to ministry. Say you just planted a church and uh, you have maybe around 15, 20, 30 people. What are some steps that you take or practical things or maybe not even practical things, broad vision things that you can do to start on the path of being a shepherd for these people?
1: Well, I think you need to separate, at least in your mind, your role as a pastor and the ministry there needs to be a little bit of a distinction there. If you're thinking about yourself as a pastor and what your role is, I think some of the emphasis on more of the movement and leadership and vision casting, uh, to me it seems related to just uh, Christ himself being at the same time divine as well as human. There is this dual aspect uh, in our minds as pastors, what we need to keep as sort of a balance, uh, that we don't get too caught up in the transcendence of God and, and the transcendence of Christ and leave behind his imminence, his, his humanity. Maybe what you're pointing out, some shortcomings or the overemphasis on one, seems to be just a, a leaving behind of a little bit more of the thinking about Jesus's imminence. Uh, and I think to be a good pastor, you need to have both. You need to have that standard of God's Word and truth and leadership uh, being on the side of, of the transcendent idea of Christ but, and, and God, but at the same time we need to have this understanding that we are here to help God's people. We are his under-shepherds, and so we are the ones who have to understand God's people and identify. And that, that idea of identification, Jesus identifies with his people maybe that's where we need to start thinking a little bit more in terms of how to minister to god's people of really identifying with them
0: um i think working with you for about six seven months i can tell that god has gifted you with the ability to shepherd i think god has really given you a shepherd's heart so when you first started the ministry what are some practical things that you did to minister to people I, i know back in the first generation people did home visitations and things like that and many people think that that's outdated and that people don't like that anymore Um, is that something one of the practical things that you did and what are some more things that you have done we
1: have done pastoral visitations uh, with the session elders and myself over the years getting to know people Uh, and it it is definitely a, a way to and keep in contact with the people and get more intimate in terms of understanding their lives, their life context, especially when you go to their homes, you see how they live, where they live, uh, the, how the children uh, behave in the home, uh, just the family dynamics. You're, you're able to see things you don't see when they're at church. And so being in their homes is definitely an advantage in that in that sense where you can see people in their in a more realistic context. However, even then, it's, it's a little bit artificial. And uh, I know the First Generation Church uh, did that very regularly. And I guess after a, a while, if you do that regularly, people's guards seem to let down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I haven't found it the primary way in, in ministering to people and, and getting to know them. Just um, inter- interacting with them at church and through different activities and, and serving together, I think that's been helpful for us as well. But I think um, visitations aren't the only way. You really do need to spend time with the people in other contexts as well. It seems as though nowadays having coffee with people and having meals seems to be, for me at least, the best way to really get to know people and and see where they're struggling. And you just wait for those moments where they are comfortable enough to open up to you and, and begin to ask
0: deeper questions about their life and what they're struggling with. How long do you think that process takes to build a relationship with someone um, enough where you can really, quote unquote, start doing the work of a pastor in their lives and chipping away at, at some of the things that might ail them?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, over the years, I've been in several ministries and, and moving from one ministry to another. There's always a transition period of about two, two and a half years where you're really trying to establish a rapport with people and and gain their trust. It's not as though you're trying to gain their trust but just in in being there they begin to see you more as their pastor and the one that they can trust to be there and it seems to me over the years that real ministry real fruit from the ministry meaning not size of the church but really your impact in people's lives seems to take place around that two, two and a half year mark where they begin to see you're here for a while and uh, they've seen your character in action and and in your words. And uh, when you minister to them and you you approach them, they can understand your role as the pastor, not only in a theoretical sense, but really in a practical sense. They see you as the one that's gonna take care of them and who has some answers for them and some experience. So I would say it takes a little while to build that uh, trust and rapport uh, but of course you, you hit it off with some people pretty well, pretty easily in the beginning. but generally, I would say that it takes at least that amount of time to really get into people's lives
0: so uh our church is a little older, and uh me i'm twenty seven and coming into a church like this, we're one of the youngest families here or I think the youngest family here and I've been called to be a pastor slash shepherd to these people and I think a lot of young young people are or this generation find it hard to minister to people who are 10, 15, 20, 30, maybe even 40 years older than us. So so for me, sometimes I find it hard to minister to an 80-year-old guy because I'm not able to relate to them. In, in the 80-year-old's mind, when he looks at me, he sees just a kid who hasn't really gone through the, the perils of life yet. Um, what kind of advice and uh, wisdom would you give these young people who fi- kind of find themselves in this pickle?
1: Well... I could say the same for myself, I'm, I'm older than you of course, uh, almost double your age, but I'm ministering to people who are 20, 30 years older than me, and so I could say the same about myself as you say about yourself, uh, it is difficult to minister to people who are older than you if you don't uh, see the standard of God's ministry to his people as, as the one that sort of is the baseline. People are in different life circumstances and life stages, no matter where you go, and you're never going to be able to match everyone's life stage and where you are. So if you're thinking that you can only minister to people in your own life stage or or, or below, I think you're really limiting what God's grace can do in your own life as well as in the life of the people in your, under your care. You learn from each other. I learn from those older than me not just by what they say, but I listen to their stories and I learn how they've endured this long in their Christian walk, their walk with Christ. I've learned how to temper myself in certain areas or challenge myself in other areas when I see some of the things that they've accomplished or some of the wisdom that they have learned in their own lives. And for younger people as well, if I look down at them as saying they're younger than me, then it'll be pretty apparent that my My attitude towards them is arrogant or sort of uh, insensitive. But I I feel like I learn from younger people myself. And uh, I think that's a part of being a member of the body of Christ. You are a member of the body of Christ. And you are situated in your particular area or or place. But uh, you learn from those around you. And I would say as a young minister, you should never limit yourself and sell yourself short that you can't minister it's God who's ministering through you so you again with that idea of identification you try to learn and talk to older your older members your congregation hear their stories learn from their insights and mistakes and things like that Uh, and I don't think you'd find it very difficult if you really think about identifying with God's people and your ultimate goal is to help them understand the gospel You'll, you'll be able to challenge them with your youthful perspective. But as you hear their older perspective, you, you're you also going to learn. And and your preaching and counsel will, will change and adjust and become much more rich, I think.
0: Yeah, I think I can attest to that. I mean, I, I would not have thought a year from now that I'd be at an older church ministering to 60, 70-year-old guys. Um, but it has definitely stretched me and uh, given me. The ability to almost break out of these limitations that are usually set on young young pastors. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been yeah, it's been a, definitely a challenge, but it also has been a very uh, mind opening experience. Just interacting with people who I would have probably never really interacted with, and I think I guess that's the beauty of something that we do at our church, Covenant Worship. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's practical or not, I mean, many people have their own uh, thoughts on it, but one thing for sure is the pastor gets to minister to to little kids, but also very old people where the kids aren't pushed to their own um, services or or whatnot, but everyone's together. Um, Again, there's there's a lot of intricacies in that and there's pros and cons. I think that's one of the things that have been good.
1: I I feel like undergoing these more broad experiences helps really round you out as an individual, as a pastor, you can't just stay in your comfort zone with people who are easy for you to get along with. You need to be stretched by people who are difficult to get along with, those who are maybe a little crabby or those who are, have more energy than you. you. You need to be stretched and you need to be exposed to different people. and That makes you a, a person who matures more rapidly and is able to um, understand the gospel in its breadth more than sort of a narrow experience. I think if you draw from a broader experience, you have, you, you'll be much more effective in a broader spectrum of situations. So if you don't read many books, uh, broadly, I'm learning, and you only read certain types of books, well, you know, when you speak with people, have conversations, your, your conversation will be very thin. Uh, same with music, if you only have violins and you have no bass or uh, other instruments to, to round out, to fatten up the sound, then, then the, the music is very shallow and, and uh, can be tiring for the ear, but when you have all these instruments together, all these different ranges of sound blended together, uh, it's just a much more rich and wonderful sound. And when you converse with people, being able to draw from history and theology, politics, and different things like that. It it just helps you to to be able to speak to a broader audience and also for yourself to to understand the breadth of the gospel for yourself.
0: When we approach these, say, young young pastors, someone like me, when we approach these older members, whether, you know, however old, how much older they are, what do you think is the proper attitude to come before them um, in ministering to them as their pastor, but as someone so much younger? uh, What kind of attitude should we have uh, when we come to them, I can imagine having an attitude of of learning wanting to learn from them and and wanting to hear hear their stories but how do you balance that aspect of being their pastor while being younger?
1: I think Paul addressed that uh, when he was giving instruction to the church about older men and older women and younger men and younger women in the church and and how they Younger men should look up to these older men and respect them as their fathers. And I would say that that instruction is very helpful. As a minister as well as just a Christian, you interact with people in your church that are older. Older men, you you respect them for uh, being able to endure this long and and the experiences that they've been through and and you ask them questions because they have some insight that you'll never have as a younger man just from studying theology. At the same time, you have the calling as their pastor, minister, to preach the gospel to them. So they, I think when I speak with older men in the church, they understand that you are the pastor. And they're able to give you that respect as the called minister of the gospel to, to them. So when it comes to teaching from scripture, they will understand that and, and respect you in that. They will uh, give you the benefit of the doubt. Uh, when they hear something really off, then they'll, they'll give you a look. But for the most part, they'll respect you as a, an officer that, that has been called to do that. Um, and so I, I would say that for, for younger pastors interacting with older men in the church, look at it as an opportunity to learn and, and to broaden yourself and be able to experience through their life and through their stories some of the things that God can do and has done and uh, to encourage you.
0: Uh, last question, um, for those people who are listening who aren't uh, leaders or, or pastors, what are some things that they could do and maybe that you've experienced that uh, has made it a little easier uh, for you to be a shepherd of the church?
1: I think uh, as, as a lay person in the church, seeing the pastor as the one who God has called to preach and lead the church is, is one part that we need to keep in mind always. And so there is that that initial respect that you give them just by their office. Uh, I know there's this idea that you have to earn respect. In a certain sense, it's more of you need to retain respect. But respect could be given initially just because of the office. And so pray for your pastor. Encourage your pastor. Help your pastor to have an easiest, the easiest time he can to, to do his ministry because he's just a he's just a man, he's just a human being and he has weaknesses, he has areas in his life that the gospel needs to penetrate and, and work its way out in and, and so he does need encouragement and help to do his ministry. So I would say as much as possible, try to help your minister do the best he can. Because ultimately what you're doing is you're serving Christ by helping his called man, his called person to help minister the church. And so if you're helping Christ's person to minister, you're helping Christ, Uh, you're helping the church, you're serving him. So seeing that as your calling as a a person in the church to help your pastor to do his best and and to grow and and to uh, learn how to minister well, I would say have that attitude. At the same time, of course, we can't lift them up on a pedestal and think they can do no wrong, that they have no weaknesses. Of course they do, and so that's why we need to pray ask for um, the Lord's help for them, uh, keeping them humble but as as, as passionate as possible uh, in ministering the gospel. We need to assist and there are certain things that pastors don't know. I have to admit that. I don't know everything. I need help in in ministering to people who are are struggling with cancer or who are wrestling with uh, adulterous thoughts or who are just struggling with you know, teenagers who are hanging around with the wrong wrong crowd. I don't know all those things. I I don't have the best wisdom in terms of how to reach out to them and talk to them and, and help them. But as a lay person maybe who's going through that or who's experienced that right now, it's you're invaluable. So I don't think a pastor makes a good church. I think God puts a pastor in a congregation, and when his will is that they come together with the same desire to serve him, that pastor does his job well, the congregation does their job well, that's when you see a revival in the church, a, a real growth and a real love for uh, the ministry. When the people are captured with that idea of I'm serving God here and the Lord is serving me. So that's, I think that's important.
0: That's a lot of words of wisdom. I'm, I'm very uh, thankful for Uh, just your experiences and your insight. Um, I'm looking forward to many more episodes with you on this topic of shepherding. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. See you next time. All right. Thanks for listening and join us on the next episode of the Direct Trade Initiative podcast. See ya.